Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Today we're finishing up, like I said, our scriptures for the season series and, and, and really the, the whole goal and concept with this series was to truly equip you with God's word to face this crazy season that we are all facing, right? We, we, we've got racial unrest and, and tension going on and uh, a global pandemic, economic downturn, and then to some of you right now, like myself, are trying to homeschool your children. God help us all. But at the same time, right, God will give us strength. Today's scripture, though, uh, it, it, it's actually three, three, it's actually three scriptures, and it's found in Matthew 28, 28, 18 through 20, and, and this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus right after he rose from the dead, and he appears to his disciples. And these are some of Jesus' final, fi- final, fi- uh, final words to, to his disciples before he ascended to be with his father. And Jesus gives three super important r- r- reminders that I feel are really important for us to remember as we're walking into this crazy season that we are currently in. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. Jesus gives three things here to, to, to his disciples. Reminders, you could say, that I feel are pertinent for you and for I within this crazy season right now the first thing though is 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 really it's super important to put yourself within the position of the disciples right they just saw Jesus right they followed him for three four three years they saw him do incredible things teach incredible things but then he gets arrested and then and then these disciples actually see him get crucified and die on the cross. He's dead. They see that. And then they see the same guy that was dead rise from the dead and stand before them. Think about that. Think, think about the complexity of that situation. You've got your self-doubts going on. You've got like, okay, this guy was dead, but now he's standing here. And then he comes and stands before you and essentially tells you three things. All authority is mine. You've got a job. And, and the thing is, I will always be with you. And these are three, three things within the insanity of what's going on. You need to be reminded of today. First, Jesus said this, all authority on earth has been given 
to me. Why? Jesus rose from the dead. (laughs) Right? Why does Jesus claim that he's got all authority? Because Jesus beat death. Jesus beat death. Here's, here's Here's the thing, right? Dead guy beats death. He's got authority, right? And and what God the Father actually said about Jesus, he said this, the authority that the Father has, I I give to my son. Why? Because he beat death. Here's the the thing, right? The, the, The truly... One thing that makes Christianity different from, from, from every other religion or kind of or of like teaching is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and, res- and resurrected sets him and sets Christianity apart from every other religion. And the truth is this, right? I love what Paul says. The resurrection is so central to Christianity that Paul, whenever he was writing to the church in Rome, essentially said this, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, Christianity is worthless. That there is, that there is absolutely nothing distinct. Paul said this, if the dead are not raised, let us just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. What, what he was saying is just like, if Jesus did not rise, YOLO, it doesn't matter. We're still dead within our sin. But Jesus beat death. And because Jesus beat death, he gives you and I the opportunity to beat death as well as we put our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross with for, uh, on the cross in our place and for our sin and we ultimately put our faith and trust in his resurrection. But here's the thing, it's his resurrection that gives him the authority over all things, right? It's his resurrection that ultimately gives him authority, right? Jesus, uh, here's the thing, right? The, the resurrection is the stamp of approval that all Jesus did and said were true. Essentially, the check was cashed. And here's the thing. As a Christian, one of the first things that I told you whenever this, this whole pandemic started was, is this, God is in control. He, he is in authority. But I said it this way. God is sovereign, right? And one of the things, Charles Spurgeon, uh, uh, a, a great pastor and theologian, said about God's sovereignty, he said, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which the child of God rests his head at night, giving him perfect peace. And here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you can, you can have peace right now knowing that this pandemic did not surprise God. What's going on now did not surprise him. All authority has been given to Jesus, and therefore we can have a peace knowing this does, this does not surprise him. He's not sitting, sitting up there preparing for the 2020 football season, prepared to curse Tom Brady. I'm just kidding. We love you, Tom. But at the same time, like, you know what? This is, this is not surprising him. So let me challenge you, Christians, don't freak out because God isn't freaking out. Right? All authority has been given to him. Put your faith and trust in him. But then Jesus transitions. He says this. He says this All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. He tells them, look, I'm an authority, and now you've got a job. You are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says this, look, you've got a job to do. And during this time here, one of the things that, that, that has grieved me about Christians is I feel like we've almost lost what our true calling and purpose is as followers of, of Jesus Christ, and that is to go. Right, and whenever you say go, what you know, what 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 does that what does that what does that ultimately mean? Go is simply this: you have been sent. Right, so many people within their their life think that they have been sentenced to their to their life, when truly what they have been is sent. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is not just a death sentence. It's not just like whatever whenever, however, willy-nilly. You have been sent by God to share and show his love, right? And Jesus reminds his followers of this. He was just like, look, it's authority that I've got. Now I'm telling you to go. And typically, right, the thing is whenever Christians think about going, they, they think, okay, you know what, Africa, I've got to go there and, and spread the gospel to some sort of, of like crazy tribe that doesn't know English, and really, what you can lose is the fact of the first place that God has called you to go to is actually your home. It's actually those closest to you, right? Going is not simply going to some foreign country and telling other people about Christ. It begins in your home. It begins with those closest to you. Let me say it this way. Go begins at home. Go begins at home, right? The thing about this, right? Since, since, since we've shut down our weekly services, we haven't been able to obviously provide children's ministry, right? Granted, we have been providing children's resources online. Hopefully, you're taking advantage of those and using those. But, but within the warehouse, we have been trying to do children's, children's ministry on Sundays in our home, which has been like a WWE match mixed mixed with just complete insanity right we're putting on we're putting on videos form and we're trying to like you know show them the bible lesson for for the day and try to train them and disciple them but the truth is this it has been in insanity but but parents listen to me you've got to know that although we haven't been able to provide children's ministry you've got to know this hopefully it has provided you the the opportunity for you to see that you are the greatest spiritual influence on your child the church is great it's awesome but at the same time your greatest responsibility as 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 a parent if you are a Christ follower is to influence your son or your daughter to be followers of Jesus Christ. That is your responsibility. And honestly, what I have found in this time is, man, like, do you know what? The church typically gets kids for maybe, for maybe you know, 90 minutes weekly, but at the same time, parents, you've got hours per week to, to spend with your kid. Now, the truth is, is this, right? Some of you might say, you know what? I'm not qualified. I don't know the Bible. I don't you know, I don't know what to say, teach, utilize resources, but also too, let me give you one thing, parents, that you can do that will make a big influence on your child. Ready? And that's just pray for them. Any moment, any opportunity you can get, before bed, before school, just take the opportunity to pray over them. To, to pray them. And here's the thing, right? You might say, John, I have no idea what to pray. I can't even pray 
I can't even pray myself. The truth is this, right? God isn't looking for perfection. He's trying to find those who are available and willing. And really one of the greatest things you can offer your kids is just your willingness to pray over them, right? Here's the thing, right? I've prayed so much over my kids, and honestly, I'm not saying this because I'm great. I am saying this because it's been God's grace. But the thing is, my kids will not go to sleep unless I pray over them. And I'm just praying whatever comes to my mind. I'll just follow this as like, God, I pray you'd bless their mind. I pray that they would be creative. Bless their ears, Lord. Let them be able to, to discern what is what is truth and what is false. I pray over their mouths, God, that they would speak words of life and beauty and truth. I pray over their eyes, God, that they would see what, what you see and see people the way that you see them. I pray over their heart, God, that you would give them a sensitivity to the spirit of God and presence of God within their lives. I pray over their feet, God, that you would guide them and, and lead them. I just simply followed their, their body parts. And just like, God, I just pray you would bless them, you know. And here's the thing, right? As you're teaching your kids how to pray and they're hearing you pray, you're growing within your prayer life, but you're also teaching your kids how to pray, what to actually pray for. Parents, look, just do something, right? Don't disqualify yourself because you say, I'm not a pastor, I'm not this, I'm I'm not that. God, just do something, right? Don't disqualify yourself because here's the Here's the thing, Jesus doesn't disqualify you. And y'all, look, you've got, what, you've, you've got what it takes. Step out, utilize the resources that Lifehouse Kids provides. Step out and be the spiritual influencer in your kid's life that God has called you to be. Do not neglect that. Don't put that off. Take responsibility for that. But also, too, Jesus' command to go. We always think it's going to, it's going to interrupt our schedule when, honestly, I believe Jesus wants us to integrate it into our schedule, right? If you go to the gym, you can influence people there. If you go, you know, if you go sports teams, if you're going restaurants, PTA, whatever the flow of your life is as a follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't been sentenced there, you have been sent there. You can use your job as the opportunity to influence people, to obey Jesus's command to go. Right, a, a couple shout-outs. Kim Buzek, she cuts my hair. Right, one of the things talk, 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 you know, talking with her that I absolutely love is whenever she tells me about the people that come and sit in and sit in her chair and getting their kind of like hair done, hair, hair did. Right, and she says I've got the opportunity every day to influence people for Christ because they're sitting there while I'm doing their, their hair. That's what I'm talking about. That, that, that's what I'm talking about going to where you are already going and viewing that as, do you know what? Not that I'm sentenced to this life, but I have been sent in this life. I've been sent with this job. I've been sent to this city. I have been sent to do exactly what Jesus said, and that is go and make disciples. My friend Carrie was telling me the other day, he walked into the gym, you know, Carrie's all loud and boisterous, but he said there was this other lady uh, that works at the gym there. She was she was crying and she, and she knew Carrie works at the church and stuff like that Call, called him over they had a conversation right there within the the gym office and and right there he prayed over her right and I mean here's here's the thing guys we always expect stuff to be done in church but what you see in Jesus's ministry is that Jesus did did ministry in the integration of his normal life and that's what I'm, I'm saying. Going does not mean going to a foreign country. Going could be going to your, to your neighbor's house. It could be going to your, to your own children. I think we've got to really redefine 
what Jesus' command was, and that is to start with our, with, with our home, outwork it into our surrounding uh, um, sphere of, of, of influence, and work it into our normalized lives, and, and integrate it so we can see Jesus glor- glorified. We can see this, right? But then, but then, too, I think it's important we truly define what Jesus called us to actually make. He called us to make disciples, right? And we live in a very interesting time in the United States where, man, like, there, there is a true, I don't know, what's, what's, what's the word here? A, uh, a true challenge with this. Because the thing is this, right? Within our country, we are trained to be consumers, we are trained to be people that it is all about us. I mean, just think about it. You've got billions of dollars of marketing and information being put into your habits, trying to find out what your habits are so you will consume more and give companies, entertainment, your time, attention, and dollars. And what, and what the culture is actually training us to do is, is to be consumers. And unfortunately, this has worked its way into the church. Where the thing is this, right? Because we consume Jesus, we, we consume some of what church, church offers, we can then actually think that we are disciples of Jesus, right? And what is a disciple, right? A disciple is somebody who, who is intentionally being shaped and formed into the image of somebody or something. And that key word there is intentional. It is somebody that, that, that is intentionally saying, I want to be shaped or formed into the image of somebody or something. And so really the challenge here is really saying, you know, are you, are you, you know, are you a consumer of Jesus that is consuming some things from church or are you truly a, a follower, someone that that does as Jesus said? I want to deny myself and lay my life down and follow Him wherever that would go, right? Are you are, are you a consumer or follower? Because let me tell you this, guys: Jesus did not come to just create fans of Him. Jesus did not come just to create people who who were intrigued by His teachings and view Him as being a good moral teacher. Jesus. Jesus came to actually create little hymns, H-I-M-S, right? He came to create little Christ, right? And, and, and that's what the church is for. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, um, the church exists f- for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Neil Cole said this, he said this, ultimately each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving, in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not very good. It's very so, sobering words, isn't it? Whenever we truly think, not, you know, 
not just individually, but corporately, what, what kind of Christ followers are, are, are we producing? Would you, would you be defined as kind of just like passive, needy, and, consume, and consumeristic? Or would you see yourself as going in the direction of radical obedience and following Jesus? Um, I, I heard a pastor say the other day, he said this here. He said that that Christian or that we live in a time where Christianity is being dumbed down to to get this right moral therapeutic deism. Moral therapeutic deism. He said that as he examines culture and the culture of Christianity and churches, that Christianity and Jesus has been dumbed down within this culture. To, to essentially be moral, therapeutic deism. Moral, essentially meaning this, that all Jesus wants to do is, is make you a good person, right? He just wants to take you from being bad to being good. Therapeutic, and as Jesus wants to just make you happy, he's like this big cosmic back rub. Whenever you have tension, you just cry out to him, as like, give me a little bit of Jesus, and I start to feel better. Deism is just that like God doesn't want a relationship with you. He's kind of far off in nature and things like that. And if you know anything about Jesus, that is nothing like Jesus. Jesus does not want to come just to make you a bad person into a good person. I say this all the time, right? He wants to take you from being a dead person spiritually to being what? Alive. A relationship with God where, where, where you were once dead in your sin, but now you are alive to Christ, right? Jesus does, just doesn't want to be thera- therapeutic and, and just like, okay, you feel bad. Let me make you feel better. No, he wants to toughen you up and give you endurance so you can face all, the, all that life has. And he provides a safe place, a restful place in the midst of the chaos that we are in. Why? So you can make a difference within the chaos. Deism. God, Jesus does, uh, just doesn't want to be a name to you. He wants to have a relationship with with you but the thing is right within this culture we fight moral therapeutic deism and the way that that we fight that what we're called to do is to be disciples that make disciples that intentionally say we want to be shaped and formed into the image of Jesus in the way we think act and use everything that God gave us instead of saying we just want to consume and just here's the thing right add a little bit of Jesus to our lives a disciple is someone that turns and intentionally says I'm putting everything in my time talent treasure I'm putting it all in and saying Jesus I need you to help me rethink everything according to what your standard and calling is and Jesus promise is this I came to give you life and life more uh, abundantly right Jesus does not want fans he wants followers. But the thing is this, we reproduce who we are. You don't reproduce what you hope for. You reproduce who you are. And the question is this, are you a fan of Jesus? Are you intrigued by him? Or could you really de- de- you know, define yourself as being, I am someone that is intentionally wanting to be shaped and formed into the image of Christ. Jesus said this, right? He said, All, I've got authority. I rose from the dead. I'm in charge, I'm sovereign, just calm down. But then he said, you got a job. He says, you're called to go and make disciples. But then he said this. He said, lastly, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He, here's the thing, right? Jesus was, he was about to leave. 
And the disciples, they were probably thinking what we would think. Like, man, if Jesus is gone, how are we going to do anything? Like, how are we going to, like, Jesus was here. He taught us and trained us. Now Jesus is leaving. Like, what the heck, am, what the heck, uh, well, what the heck are we going to do? But Jesus said, even though I won't be physically with you, I will be with you. How? We talked about this last week through the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus actually said to his, to his disciples, he said, don't go out and do any ministry until you are equipped with power from on high, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus knew the task of going out and doing this job was, was pointless if we had only human effort and human strength. He said, don't, or Jesus said this, wait for the gift that I will give and send you. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, God is with us. And that's what Jesus was wanting to remind his disciples of, his followers of. And I believe today you need to be reminded of. Because right now, so many of you feel alone by yourself. You've been quarantined. We've, We've been spiritually distant as a church family. We've been joining together online. We've been doing groups online. And that's why, look, if you can get out on September 20th, come out, hang out, and see people's faces, worship live with us. It's going to be just a, a grand time of us seeing, seeing each other and doing what Scripture says, being encouraged by each other's presence. But the thing is, this right. He's, he says, <laughs> he says, surely I am with you always till the very end. Here's the thing, right? How do you know that God's presence is with you, that Jesus is with you? The first thing is, like I said, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. And like last week, we said this, the Holy Spirit goes where the Holy Spirit's welcomed. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill, fill you. But, but secondly, you know, here's the thing, right? you, you can feel the power and presence and know that God is with you through his people, right? I've got friends that I can just look at and see. I know that because they're there with me, the God in them is also with me, right? And that's the power of having friends and co-laborers in the faith and having people you know that are like-minded and that have the same goal with, with you. There, there, there is power in having people with you. Why? Because you can see the, pe- the power and presence of God through those people with you. I can also know that God is with me through, through, through lives that, that I see changed, right? As a church, we're celebrating three years as a church on, on September 20th. And that's why Two, if you come out on September 20th, we're going to celebrate our third birthday. We're going to give you a free shirt. And we're going to celebrate all that God has done in three years. But I can look at the people that have come to our church in these past three years. And I can literally see God in the way that God has changed their life. Robert Rakowskis, right? He's someone that we always talk about. Why? Because he is a physical expression that God is real. He's a physical expression that the power of God is real. Seeing the the first time that he came to our church, the second week we were a a church, and what God is doing in him and through him, now we can see the power of God. I think of someone like Stacy Moyer, Raquel Robinson, Geraldo and Tyra Tucker. I can can see the power and presence of God through lives being changed, right? The power is this, that, that his promise is that he will never leave us or forsake us. And some, and some of you today need that in your soul. Because the devil, what the devil does, 
to get at you, he isolates you. Like, honestly, that's what you see. He attacked Jesus when he was by himself. And the same way he attacks Jesus, he'll attack you. Right? And so the first thing Jesus all, or the first thing that Satan always tries to do whenever he's trying to get you into his plan, get you into his purpose, is to do what? Isolate you because then it's only you versus him and he's got you. But here's the thing, right? When you know that God is with you, he's for you. We can say what David said in Psalm 139. Let me turn there really, really, really quick. We're going to actually end here. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. This is what David said about God's presence with us. He said this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide from me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. I speak that over you. That you would be reminded today that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? Do you see the reminders today and why these scriptures are so important? And see the progression here. (laughs) Jesus said, I'm in charge. I've got authority. Secondly, you got a calling. You got a job. Go. And thirdly, know I'm with you as you go. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much and God bless.